Welcome to the Mormon Mompreneur Podcast. Mormon Mompreneur is a home for women of faith who desire to be strengthened in motherhood and empowered in business. We thrive off of talking with other women with unique experiences and vision who have felt guided by the divine to bring about remarkable things at home and abroad. Welcome to the Mormon Mompreneur Podcast. I am Sarah Allred, and I am so excited to be sitting here with the legendary Al Fox. (laughs) (laughs) She is marvelous. And just a little note from our sponsors. Our sponsor for today's podcast is Poppy and Dot. Poppy and Dot is an online boutique that focuses on unique, fashionable, and memorable clothing for women. They allow customers to shop directly from all of their Instagram and Facebook posts, which makes online shopping incredibly easy and fun for you. Check out Poppy and Dot on Instagram to see all of their latest releases, or you can head on over to their website, www.poppyanddot.com to see their line of Poppy and Dot signature dresses. With that said, I just have got to dive into who this person is that I get to talk to. If you don't know Al, let me introduce you to her. Al has spent the last four years inspiring the world with her story of conversion, redemption, and finding faith. As a blogger and award-winning public speaker, her message has reached millions, including me and my own heart. This up-close look at her life will show you what it means to truly trust in the Lord. Al is a convert to the church and has been a popular blogger, YouTuber, and award-winning public speaker. She's been on the cover of LDS Living Magazine and countless radio interviews, TV interviews, and everything in between. She's traveled the countryside for five years and counting, speaking with well-known speakers like John By the Way, Brad Wilcox, and General Young Women's President Bonnie Oscar. Just recently, she spoke to over 24,000 people with Elder Neil L. Anderson at Roots Tech. Al won the Community Speaker Award in 2014, presented by the Dean of BYU, and the Women and Biz Award in 2016, presented by the Mayor of Provo. Al, you're here. Thank you so Hi. much for being here. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. <laughs> We've got to just dive right in because they're just drooling to talk with you, our listeners. <laughs> We just are so excited to hear from you. And you have had an amazing four or five years. What would you say to that? Things are crazy, but really great crazy. I mean, it's been really great. (laughs) Would you ever four or five years ago have ever thought that this is where you would be? No, are you kidding me? Getting baptized was like a big surprise. But I remember saying, if they expect me to say a prayer in front of people, like just a prayer, like I'm not joining that church. Oh, well. <laughs> so praying in front of people was such a big thing for me. So seeing what I'm doing now was just like, what? <laughs> you have been totally transformed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you've got some big things happening. You've got a new book. You've got a book coming out soon. A compilation book and home decor things going on. What is happening? So everything is happening. Yet yeah, we're about to come up on my year anniversary of my book and it's still going really strong, which is awesome. Like I'm still blown away and surprised at everything that's happened with that. And then I have my journal line and a jewelry line 
that have been out and I have another journal coming out this upcoming month as well along with another book this month uh, which is a compilation book so each author has a different chapter and that's fun because we got to team up with Hank Smith who's hilarious I love him and like Sisters and Zion and a few other people and yeah my home to Coraline which I was really scared about but is doing really well so yeah lots of crazy stuff (laughs) what brought the nerves about the home to Coraline you know, they came to me, my publisher. I think they just saw how well everything was doing and were like, what else can we do with her? And they brought up the idea and I'm like, okay, are you kidding? Like, no way. Like, enough is enough, you know? And so, yeah, I just told them right then and there. I said, I'm not doing that. And it you was said like no. two. Yeah. I was like, I'm not doing that. And it was like two weeks later and I was living back in Arizona at the time. And I was having, like, a lousy day. And I was laying on my couch just thinking about how lousy I feel, right? And I was just staring at my couch cushion, like, across the room. And I thought, you know, wouldn't it be cool if my couch cushion just said something uplifting to, like, make me feel better right now? And then no. that's when I was like, oh, I feel like I really do, like, have to do the home decor line. Like, I think it could help people and just to be a random uplift throughout someone's day if they see it so we have like pillows and we have like a wood plaques with quotes on them for the wall and it's incredible lots of things so it's just one more avenue for you to share testimony and for you to get your message out there is through pillows pillows who would have thought that's impressive it's impressive (laughs) Well, you talk about this couch cushion and how it inspired you to go into a new area of business. As a business person, as an entrepreneur, how have you seen the hand of the Lord in your life as you desire to get your message out there further and further and further? Everything I do and have done and have has all been through prayer, like absolutely everything I'm doing now. It's not about how many more followers can I get. Because here's the thing. I am a freak about marketing. Like, I love marketing. I work full-time for the church as a marketing manager. But there's lots of things that I purposely don't do with my own brand because I don't want to damage the following and, like, the community and the trust that I've built up with my followers. And so, to me, I purposely take my head out of the marketing business and I got baptized right before I turned 21 and my question has always been like how can I help people like all I want to do is I want people to know like the help and the blessings and the opportunities I can have like if they just turn to God and do these things and it all started from a prayer of what can I do to help And I've just been asking that same question. And so it's never been, what can I do for my business? Or how can I make more money? Or how can I do this and that? It's always been, what else can I do to help? Because I have learned that it's not about my ideas. It never has been. My ideas never work out anyways. And so it's always to say that prayer of your objective. So whatever your objective is, to never lose sight of it. Never lose sight that I'm doing this to help people, and that's the only reason. And so if I keep that objective in my prayer, to just embrace the unexpected, knowing who's guiding me. And so if these opportunities come up, and I pray about them, and I feel good about it, then I'm going to do it. And sometimes really awesome opportunities come up, and even though they may seem appealing, it might not be the best thing, and that has to be okay, too, to turn down really good things, too, knowing that it's all done in prayer. 
That's amazing. And most of our listeners are Mormon moms who have some form of business, whether it's outside of the home, online, whether they're selling clothing through boutiques or whatever it may be, they have some sort of business, whether it's two hours a day or all day long. How can you purify your objective? Like you were saying, your objective is to help people. What if these are moms that are saying, but I seriously have to make money because that's a necessity for my family right now. How do you purify the objective to just say, I just want to help people, but Heavenly Father, I really need to make money. You can do both. I mean, if you're your objective, it has to be something deeper in order for it to be successful. If you're doing something just for money, I don't know how well you'll do at it. But if your objective is something stronger and more emotional behind that, if it's something you're passionate about, maybe you do have a boutique, but your objective isn't to just sell. It's to make girls feel better about themselves, to give them clothing that they feel good about themselves in. There has to be something deeper than money. If we don't know what that is yet, it would be so impactful to figure that out and write it down and never lose sight of your objective because, I mean, there's so many things happening that we may want to be a part of with our business and maybe it's not smart and to just know the difference between a trend and a fad because there's a big difference and don't say yes to everything because you know what there's a saying like you can't say yes to everything but I've learned that you actually can say yes to everything but it's not smart it's not smart for your business to do everything you don't want to do everything trust me and so make sure everything that you're doing every person that you're partnering up with and you know, every trend that's coming or new toy that's coming it always meets up with your objective because that is where growth is going to come. I'm like taking mental notes like crazy. I'm going to have to re-listen to this. Oh my word. I'm learning so much. So what are your personal boundaries of when you know to say yes and when you know, I mean, you said yes to come and chat with us. You don't know who I am. Everybody's like, you know, Al. I'm like, no, I don't. I don't. Yes, we do. Stop. Oh, stop. That's right. That that one time. But how how do you determine? trial and error. Balance is a huge thing. I mean, but you make time for what's important. And if it's important to you, you'll make time for it. And if it doesn't matter, get rid of it. Like, seriously. And years ago, I did say yes to everything. Not because I felt like I had to, but because I truly wanted to. Like, I wanted to say yes to everything because I wanted to be a part of things. And I wanted to help as many people as I can. And what I found was I was in a parking lot in a church right before I had to speak and I was crying and there's this week or two weeks or maybe a month that I would just get to an event early and I would just start crying because I was so tired I was so tired and I was engaged and I was supposed to be planning a wedding and I and I wasn't planning our wedding I didn't have time to go to the temple I didn't have time to go to my sister-in-law's birthday party I didn't have time to go and hike and do things that I wanted to do because I was saying yes to everything and it was summer and it was girls camp and so you're busy every day and you're traveling to who knows what campground in the middle of the mountains and absolutely and I said okay this isn't good (laughs) like this isn't as fun as, and fulfilling as it, as it should be. Because if we're not doing what we love and if we're not happy with it, I think we're missing the point. And so it started from, well, prayer, obviously. I got a blessing and it said, this is when it says something that's appealing isn't always right and to do things with prayer. And I said a prayer. I was like, what do I say no to? What am I supposed to say yes to? And it comes 
pretty clear, especially when you're looking at your schedule and you're like, you know what, I shouldn't do this, I shouldn't do that. But now that I've learned, and so now I'm not saying yes to things I don't feel good about, but I got marriage advice right before we got married, and it was my stake president. And he looked me and, at the time, a fiancé, Ben, and said, always have time for love. And at the time, wow. I was like, oh, that's oh, how cute. cute. Yeah, <laughs> yes, oh, that's my how instinct. romantic. How cute. <laughs> and it has just been the most consistent thing on my mind with everything that I'm doing now. Every time I open up my planner, every time I open up my email, every time I come home, every time I go to work or an event, it is just ringing in my head like, if I don't have time for love, I'm doing something wrong. If like, honestly, I know you're probably going to laugh at this, but if I don't have time to like hold hands with my husband or have a makeout sesh with him or in the backyard chasing my kids, like I probably am doing something severely wrong and I need to be in check of that because if things aren't well and steady at home, things are going to be really hectic with everything else. And it impacts your whole, impacts your whole being. And is that on a pillow, Al? No. No. <laughs> There's your next idea. There it is. Right? <laughs> yeah, oh, my god. If you don't goodness. have time for love, you're doing something wrong. And that has been, like, my biggest thing. Because family trumps. It has to trump everything you're doing. It has to trump every calling you're given, every business and job that you have. Like, it has to. And it does, and you're blessed for that. And is it... Like you said, it's seriously a moment-to-moment decision for you. You open up your planner or you get an email from us saying, come on this podcast. You have to look and say, if I do this, do I still have time for love? You're seriously doing it moment by moment. Yeah, I mean, I say, if I got paid for how many prayers I say throughout the day, (laughs) I'm being serious. Like, I just rely on it so much. And so just everything is done with prayer. And so maybe it's just... You just go off by feeling. I mean, if you say a prayer before you start your emails, then you just go by feeling. I love this. So what if some of our listeners are listening to you and are so inspired already, and yet they're saying, I don't feel like God communicates with me like he does with Al through prayer, that they don't feel like that's a skill, so to speak, that they've honed in on like you. What's next for them? How can they be more connected? Okay, one, that's silly. Like, I am no different than anyone else. Like, let's be real, guys. He's not like, oh, here's Al. Like, here I am. Forget about Tracy or, I don't know. I don't even know a Tracy, but. (laughs) Tracy, if you're listening, we are sorry. (laughs) It's just where your testimony is. I mean, he speaks to all of us. I mean, I got baptized and I lost everyone. I lost absolutely everyone. And the only thing that I had was a promise from my elder saying that God is there and he listens. And did I know that he was real and that he was listening? No, but I was desperate. And so I did it. And I forced myself to use this faith that I didn't know if I had or not because that's all I had was just this promise. And I am so grateful for that because I have truly learned and built up a personal relationship with him and I understand how he speaks to me because I worked really really hard at it anyone could figure out how he speaks to you if you try <laughs> like and if you reach out and if you care about figuring it out then of course you'll figure it out like Heavenly Father is not being tricky like you just have to spend time on it and so I understand how he speaks to me and it's always through 
reoccurring thoughts. The Spirit speaks to me through reoccurring thoughts, always. And if they're good, and if it keeps coming back, then I know it's the Spirit. And so I'll do that. And sometimes, like, I don't know, if you just feel weird, weird doesn't come from the Spirit. And so don't spend time figuring out why you feel weird. Just notice the fact that you feel weird and accept it and use that as your answer. And it's all by feeling and reoccurring thoughts, really, for me. I mean, if you tell them, specific prayers get specific answers. And sometimes Heavenly Father, he doesn't always tell us what's right. And that can be annoying. You know, sometimes we have two decisions in front of us and we're asking about both those decisions and we don't know what that answer is. And we've really got to decide and we don't want to do the wrong thing, but we don't know what he's saying. So I learned a trick. This has been life changing, this trick for me. Heavenly Father doesn't always tell us what's right, but he will always, always, always tell us what's wrong. Always. So if we don't know what he's telling us to do, just pick. Like, quit wasting time and just pick. And you just move forward. And if you're moving forward and it's not right, you will know. You'll feel weird about it. Things won't fall into place. And it'll just make you feel weird, right? And so you stop. And you go the other direction. And if he's not stopping you, then just keep going. Like, just go. (laughs) So that has been the pattern in your life. They're reoccurring thoughts. And if you feel like you're not getting an answer, it's like, then I will just pick. Yeah, just pick and go. Pick Pick and and go, go. and if it's not right, he will tell you with weird feelings. (laughs) That's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. (laughs) So are you experiencing these things in all areas of your life? You talk about, you know, how he speaks to you and these answers. You're talking about this is how he speaks to you with parenting your kids and finding more time as a family. And when you're doing your marketing for the church, all of these things, it's happening in every area. Yeah, I mean... You turn to him. You just got to turn to him. Like, why wouldn't he help us? <laughs> it seems we just got to so. do it. Yes. It seems so <laughs> clear. So if, if all of our listeners could sit across from you, the expression on your face is like, why would you not do this? Like, yeah. He's here to talk well, to you. <laughs> no, seriously. It is simple. We're the only ones that make it not simple. It's really We're terrible. the one that's complicated, not him. You had mentioned before that you truly lost everything when you converted to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You said, but I had to because I was desperate. What were you desperate for? You know, some people turn to religion because something's going wrong in their life. The way I saw religion at first was it was a mental comfort for people struggling with anything in their life. And that wasn't me. I was 21, I worked full time, I lived on my own, and I was the happiest stubborn New Yorker you could ever imagine, and I thought (laughs) I had my life figured out. And then I listened to the missionaries, because I felt bad for them, because they were really doofy looking. (laughs) And I found out, against my will, that everything they told me to do, you know, I told them I'd live a certain way, I would do exactly what they taught me, just to prove them that nothing would happen. So I lived a certain way. I started living these commandments and going to church and doing all these crazy things that they told me to do to prove them wrong. And in turn, I found out my life is so much better simply because I tried. So here I am. I just got baptized thinking life is so much better because if I thought it was good now, now I have God on my side. Things are going to be much better. And it was the complete opposite. Everything fell apart and it was so new to me because life was so good I thought before the church and before God I thought it was okay and I was managing and I was doing things on my own and now all of a sudden my life got flipped upside down and I didn't know 
how to handle that. And so that's where I became desperate because it was something so completely new to me that I didn't know what to do. So that's when I was just like, okay, if I'm trying to do what I think is the right thing, if I'm trying to do what I thought God would want me to do, why are things so hard? Why are good things being denied? Why are things like, you know, why am I losing people over this? And so that's when I tried to understand him better. I tried to understand his will better. I tried, you know, I had no idea how to pray. No idea. I've never said a prayer before in my life. And now this was like the only thing that I had because of this promise. And so I don't, I didn't know if there was a right or a wrong way to pray. And so I learned that just being honest and saying whatever comes to mind in however way that you want to works best. And so that's how I still do it now, because you just, you can say whatever you want to God, however you want to. And I mean, that's where growth and answers and perspective and opportunities really come is just being open and honest and being like, what the heck? Like, (laughs) I don't understand this. And he's like, you don't. Okay, well, I'll answer that and I'll show you because you told me you feel that way. Absolutely. And that is, in my humble opinion, why your message carries is that whole idea that God is not tricky. He's not here to be tricky to us. We're the ones that complicate this and are looking for the 12-step process to getting prayers answered. And that's not it. It's simplified. He's not here to trick us. And I just love that you're such the perfect vessel for sharing this literally with millions all across the world. So what a life. What a life. So there's no doubt you have a wild life. You have children. You have kids. I know. Yeah, we just had our second baby. (laughs) So with that in mind, you are touring, you are speaking, you are writing books, you've got home decor, you've got jewelry. Um, One big question that our listeners are just grasping for straws on is how does she do it? What does her daily life look like? (laughs) Tell us about this man in your life. He is awesome. He, if your spouse isn't on board, you really need to have a serious conversation with him. And I'm being so dead with you. Like, you need to get your spouse on board because I can't do anything I'm doing without him, especially with two kids. A day-to-day, Monday through Friday is I wake up before, I mean, anyone. I'm the only morning person in my family. (laughs) I wake up, I work out, I study the scriptures, I feed the baby. I wake up the baby to feed the baby just so he can sleep longer so my husband can sleep in more. And I go to work until 5 o'clock and I come home. And my husband is a full-time student, but he does it online because we travel so much. And so he does it at home while he's home with the kids. And, I mean, just like last night, I had to go to the chiropractor and then I had to go speak in West Jordan. And my husband knew about it because we have a calendar that we keep updated. So nothing's a surprise. And he just makes it work. It was something that my husband had to do on his own in his own time to mentally be okay with everything. We were engaged, not quite yet, but he just bought the ring and he was waiting for it to get size and come in and propose to me. And it was when my face was on the cover of LDS Living Magazine. Yes. And the Tattooed Mormon blog post came out and that was big time. It got over a million views in just half a day. And we were at General Conference. Oh my gosh. And I got mobbed I got mobbed and we couldn't make it to my car for like three hours because I mean there's so many people there and that is when my husband had like a what am I I really want to yeah he's like 
I know I didn't know this until after, right? But he just had this serious like internal fight like do I really want to do this? Like do I really want my life to be like this? And he really didn't know that answer. And he struggled with it and he's like I got to, you know, I haven't proposed yet. I have a ring. I really need to decide like is this how I want my life to be? Not knowing how crazy it would be or what direction, but just knowing it would be different enough to where he would need to support me in it and to accept the fact that his life is probably going to be much different than a normal person's. Sure. And ultimately, you know, through prayer and really sitting himself down and figuring things out, he decided he wants to do it. He wants to be a part of it. And ever since that day, he has made a mental and emotional like commitment to be like, whatever she's going to do, I'm going to really love and support her in any way that she needs me to. And it, I really feel like because of that turning point for him, it's made everything else easier because he wants to do it and I'm not forcing him or making him or telling him anything. And so I think that that's a really important conversation everyone should have with their spouse because if they're not on board, man, that makes things tricky. It makes things really tricky and we don't need added stress. <laughs> so if someone is in a situation, one of our listeners who is has this idea for a business or is in the middle of a business project and they don't feel like they have a spouse on board the conversation has happened and it's not going well what's the next step that's a good question just because he is doing so well Ben I feel really strongly to live a life I mean we're here once right and if we're not doing what we love what are we doing you know and if we're doing something that we are love don't stop don't stop and maybe, maybe you thought you love this and, and you don't. Maybe it's too stressful and it's not what you think. And that's okay to revert and do something else. Like, I hope that you do. There's things that my husband does where I'm like, whatever about. But I know that he really loves it. And I love that he's doing something that he loves. You got to follow through. And if things aren't okay now, then they will be. I mean, if you're doing what you really feel like you should be doing, please stick with it. I mean, I didn't hear from my dad for years years and I am doing the right thing you know and it's like why are things so hard if it's right I can't tell you how many times I've asked myself why is something so right so hard if I am doing the right thing why aren't things easier why aren't things better like why haven't I heard from my dad you know I moved across the country following prayer and I had to cope with the idea that I can never see my dad ever again and I strongly believe that we are most definitely and profoundly blessed when we just keep going in the right things. I mean, my dad talks to me now, and it was the day I went to the temple. I went to the temple and got endowed on my own, and it was that very day I heard from my dad. Did he know you were being endowed that day? No, he just called me out of nowhere. It's blessings of doing what is asked of you where things will always work out. And they don't ever work out how we want them to, but they will always work out better than when hard times came. Me and my dad are closer than we were before I got baptized when I heard from him every day and saw him and hung out with him every day. Things are better now. And if you're doing what you should be, like you just got to keep going and have that trust that everything will be better because you're doing what God wants you to do. 
This is so amazing. And I, I'm thinking back on this story you're telling about being at general conference with your <laughs> soon-to-be fiancé, and you're getting swarmed by people for hours on end and can't get to your car because the tattooed Mormon had, had gone viral. How do you feel about being called the tattooed Mormon? Does it I like hate you? it. You hate I, it? <laughs> yes, I hate it. I hate it. And I purposely named my blog post Tattooed Mormon. That's where the nickname came from. But I did it because the blog post was me being judged my first day moving to Utah because of how I looked. But I didn't want the blog post to be about tattoos. So I didn't want to write like that is why he said it because I'm covered in tattoos. How do I tell people like that's why he said it to me without it being the point? I'm like, Oh, I know. I'll just throw it in the title of the blog so they know what's happening, but it's not the point of my message of the actual blog. (laughs) And it just blew up. And I hate it. I mean, I've had this for years. To me, it's like you're calling someone something that they're not a part of. You know what I mean? It's like me calling you like the, oh, I used to smoke Mormon or, oh, I used to do this Mormon, right? (laughs) And I'm like, I don't get tattoos. I haven't got tattoos since I got baptized. Like, this isn't me. This is what I'm doing now. This is what I care about now. And it bugged me. And it bugs me that I'm called of something that has nothing to do with who I am and what I'm trying to do. So it still bothers you. It still bothers you? I don't get mad. Like, if someone calls me that, they're never doing it to be like, oh, Hey, like, no one, I mean, people just, it's fine. Like, I don't get mad, like, if someone does call me and they don't know better. Because I do realize that it helps a lot of people. I do recognize that that label being used in whatever way that it's been used has reached people that it wouldn't have had it have been called anything else. Anything and I else. Mean, Yes. Yeah, I mean, that that name has, even though I personally hate it, I do recognize that it has been a huge blessing uh, for outreach to people that we couldn't really get to before. With you being a marketing guru, you know, you love all things (laughs) marketing. From a marketing perspective, it's brilliant. The title of my book was actually going to be called something completely different. And I just, yes, and I loved it. And I still love this. And maybe it'll be another book for in the future. But just for years in my journal, I was just like, I'm going to write a book. I don't know when I'm going to do it. Probably like in my 70s, right? That's probably when I'll write my first book. It's going to be called this. And I had this title in my head for like five years. And so finally, when it came down to like, whoa, I'm writing a book right now, like the publisher says, hey, we're going to hook you up with marketing to figure out the title of a book. And I said, no, I already got one. This is what it is. You're welcome. You know, save you a lot of work. And they wrote me back and they said, no. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, what do you mean? No, like, this is my own book, like about me and my experiences and my lessons. Like, why can't I name my own book? And they wanted it to be called Tattooed Mormon. And I said, oh. Oh, I can't just die. Oh, I, I was just, I can't do that because if I name my own book that I will never get rid of this nickname. Right. And right. we went back and forth for like two months and I understood from a marketing perspective that they wanted to, to use it. But then I like personally, like I'd never get rid of it. And I was torn and I was having a conversation with the sisters in Zion. I don't know how many of you know them. Sure. And I was just complaining. I'm like, what do I do? And then she just goes, it was Zandra of them. She goes, you are so much more than the tattooed Mormon. And I'm like, oh, there's the title. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. And so it was win-win. My publishers, they can use tattooed Mormon, but I can also 
imply that I'm so much more than this nickname given to me, so much more than this image that people see on the outside. And so, I mean, obviously the way they designed it, Tattooed Mormon is like giant and more than the at the top is super small, but you know, it's fine. <laughs> Some strategic uses of font have still, they've got their wishes granted, right? Yeah, but I mean, in the book, I explain like why I called it that way and how I feel. And so, I mean, it's win-win, I guess. <laughs> Oh, I have always a hundred thousand times wanted to ask you that. And I'm like, if anyone's going to be real about whether they love or hate this, it's going to be her. And that's so refreshing to think, gosh, this is not how I wanted my message to get out. But if that's the vessel, fine. Throw your hands up. (laughs) So one of the great things about you that I feel, again, there's so many things that make your message really carry through millions of people's smartphones and as they follow you. But you're such an optimist. Even right now, you're not feeling well, and here you are just sharing your testimony with our <laughs> listeners, just with such optimism. What would you say to women who are looking around at the world and they don't feel optimistic? They're scared, they feel unsettled, they have challenges that they didn't sign up for maybe, and they don't feel like optimists. How have you become that way? I was just thinking about this yesterday. Someone wrote a blog post on me and they sent me the link, and it's not often that I read blogs just because I just I just don't really have time for them, but I read it, and I don't know why. And the very first sentence was, I hate following Elle on Instagram. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> and I'm like, why did she send me this? Like, is she trying to, like, what? But I kept reading, and it says, people like Elle, and there's a few others that I follow, just really annoyed me because they seem to be happy all the time and I don't feel happy all the time and it bugs me it bugs me like is she really happy all the time like why is this is this fake like is this just like a social thing and I was really like I thought it was funny because I'm really thinking about myself and I'm like reflecting after I read this and she goes on to say because she did an interview with me and she's like you know what I come to find out like Al really is kind of happy all the time because she doesn't lose focus on, on like things that matter most. That was like what her blog post is. And I'm thinking about what she wrote and I'm like, I'm not happy all the time. <laughs> and I feel like I'm really open and I feel like I am. It's really open about my trials and about my bad days because if we think that no one feels the same way that we feel like, that's ludicrous. Absolutely every single person has felt alone. Everyone has felt confused. Everyone has felt like their self-worth took like a dip. Everyone has questioned and yelled at God wondering where he is. Every single person has gone through things that they don't want to go through and they don't know how to go through it. And everyone's felt that way. So I'm going to tell you about it. And I'm going to tell you what I learned about it. Because why not help each other, right? I mean, you read my book. You knew very well that my life is really hard, even now. And even a most recent blog post about what it was like because you you were previously engaged to someone yeah before you met your your husband I remember reading that and being like serious yeah he told me he could find someone better and that I wasn't skinny enough and pretty enough and I'm like okay well one why didn't you figure this out before you proposed like seriously yeah (laughs) but I had so many questions you know it's not just because I wasn't with this guy that's not why I was so upset but now I'm all of a sudden like I'm not good enough I don't feel good enough. I don't feel pretty enough. I don't feel skinny enough. And like, wait a second. I thought I was doing what the spirit wanted me to. Do I actually know how prayer works? Do I know what following the spirit actually means? Like I started to question my my whole testimony and how I did things and things suck even now. I mean, I yell at God now 
when I don't understand things. That's just what I do. But I have learned lessons from past trials that have really helped me to learn to become optimistic. That has helped me in every trial since then. I mean, I moved to Utah. I left behind everyone and everything to a place across the country with no job, not knowing a single person, not knowing why I was out here just because I knew God wanted me to. And I slept on a floor wrapped in a towel because somehow my blankets didn't make it in my car. And I was here and I was treated awful, awful. I've never been treated so poorly until I moved to Utah. I mean, months and no one spoke to me. But just reactions and just, it was just, and I just got to the point where I'm tired. You know, I'm tired about being mad. I'm tired of being confused. I'm tired of feelings just so negative every day because things are hard, because I don't understand why things are a certain way. And I just became sick of it. For me, all it took was just a change of perspective, a completely new mindset on my end. And, you know, you find what you look for. And I decided to just look for the good. And it was really just this mental switch where I'm like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done feeling upset. I'm done feeling confused. And I'm going to just live. And I'm going to live and I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm going to live the way that God wants me to. And whatever else happens, like, I don't even care. Like, forget it. Like, I'm just because I'm done. (laughs) And so I did. And I went and I just decided to just forget about everything else just not even notice it not even pay attention look for different things right and because I made that mental switch where I'm just like you know what I'm tired of it the next thing I knew was I was in the Relief Society presidency the next thing I knew was I started a blog and that got bigger than it should have and just because of that change of mindset I found myself speaking I found myself doing all these things and my platforms and my opportunities started to grow. Just having the mindset of, you know, things suck right now and they'll probably suck a lot. Hard times will always, always be there, but so will Christ. And with him, do we overcome and conquer absolutely everything, every feeling of doubt or confusion or loneliness or temptation, you know, with him, we could overcome and conquer the world right? And I love that. So yeah, things might be hard right now, but if you're turning to him, you'll do it. Comfort is always there because Christ is always there. And we can feel him in the darkest and most confusing of times if we just turn to him. And if we have those honest prayers with him and open up. And I love that. Like I've learned to be really proactive during trials. Things could really suck and I could be yelling at God, but yelling at God and being miserable about it and asking yourself why is things so hard and why don't things make sense and why do I have to go through this isn't as productive as what can I learn today from feeling this way so every time things get hard I ask myself what are the lessons how can I help someone else and when you're more productive with your trials they seem to end much faster and you get a lot more out of it and you can help a lot more people along the way just having the mindset knowing that help will come because it will And being productive and looking for lessons, it has allowed me to not be as upset as you maybe could be. And I think so many of our listeners who would love this chance to talk with you can understand that feeling of, I am tired of being angry. I'm tired of feeling alone and not understanding. And so many of us, I can relate to that. 
I know so many of us can relate. And just to know that this is where you may find your greatest sources of joy through Christ, because he's there if, again, you turn and you just see. And we have so many great resources. We have people like you, and we have so many resources that the church has provided to help us make that turn and involve him in those moments that are so challenging. You're just incredible to bring such perspective through some really, really major challenges in your life. Thanks. (laughs) It's just, it's just so refreshing. What I loved being able to do was as we reached out to our listeners, we said, look, we get to talk with her. We're talking with her in a couple of days. What do you want to know from her? I just wanted to close with a couple of their questions because I think it shows such a intimate love and connection with you from our listeners of what they want to talk to you about. One of those questions came from Lindsay Lay, and she said, Al, what is your best advice for someone who simply feels different from those around her? Okay, like, that's great. Like, of course, feel different. Like, why would we be anything else but different? I moved to Utah, and I had such a hard time because I was different. That was the only reason why I was treated so poorly. And that's when you are you start thinking, what's wrong with me? Like, why am I this way? And what can I change so I can make sure that I'm not this way? And, you know, to me, like, I can't change. Like, I'm stuck with looking like this. But then, I mean, you really, I've really prayed about it. And then you're like, and even got like a blessing, not about this, but they just happens to mention this. Being different, like, duh. Like, of course. Why would we want to be anything else? And why would he have us be anything else if we were all the same? what would we accomplish? Like, seriously, if I was just like someone else, would my message get heard? Maybe not. If we were all the same, we would all have the same thing. We'd all have the same message. We wouldn't be able to help and reach out and produce new things because we wouldn't know how to think differently or do different things. We all have different talents and they're different because he wants and asks different things of us that I think is all part of the big scheme in the plan so like yeah of course you're different like but that's awesome like that's super awesome I gained a hundred pounds my first pregnancy a hundred pounds and I hated myself I didn't recognize myself I'd look in the mirror and I would cry and I wouldn't even know who I was looking at like a hundred pounds is a pretty hefty amount of weight and when you're not comfortable with yourself you're not comfortable with pretty much anything you're doing. And it affected me. It affected basically anything, right? If you're not comfortable with yourself, it affects your whole life. And I had this blessing that said, Al, you are so beautiful in the eyes of God. And I want you to look in the mirror and look a little longer and keep looking in that mirror until you see how God sees you. And I hated that blessing. (laughs) Because I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to look in the mirror. And my husband, he gave me that blessing, right? And he's like, babe, that was a promise from God. Like, you have to do it. And so I did. And he left me in the room and I stared in the mirror and I cried because I hated it so much. I cried that he was forcing me to do it. And it wasn't until after I cried for a really long time that I felt really good about myself. And I think... Sometimes we all need to look a little bit longer in the mirror and be like, yeah, yeah, like, all right. Because <laughs> that, that's where the source is going to come from. It's going to come from God. And so to do those things that will allow him 
to open our own eyes. And often it's after a whole bunch of tears, like you had mentioned. Yeah. Like you just, you just be you and be who God wants you to be like, whatever for the rest of it. Just whatever. (laughs) Whatever. So there's your answer, Lindsay. I love that. Whatever. So what about this? Um, The Moonbeams asks, she says, I love her. She said, my question for her would be, you are always so joyful about life and living the gospel, even in troubling times. How has the way you found the gospel influenced your ability to feel that joy? And what can you tell lifelong members about what you've learned? Well, I kind of talked about that, right? Don't you think? Or. And I, I think know. one of the great things is is maybe what do what do us as lifelong members of the church maybe take for granted? Oh, the whole entire thing. Are you kidding? The like, whole entire thing. <laughs> oh no. Well, maybe not the whole thing, but I mean, like, I know what life is without the gospel at all. I went twenty one years thinking that happiness can and did come from somewhere else. And I went my entire life without God. I went my entire life without talking to him and asking him what I should do. And now I have these resources. And now I've seen how much I have overcame, how much I have conquered, and the opportunities and the blessings that I didn't even know was available to myself, like, are mine now. And having that contrast is why I'm still really excited about the gospel because I know what life is like without it, and I don't want that. I don't want that. And every day I'm shown something even better. Every day something new comes up that I didn't know was available for myself, and I recognize a thousand percent that it's from God. And that is why I'm still excited about the church. That is why I'm still, my main focus on all of my social platforms is to tell people how awesome he is, and remind them of those simple things of the gospel of praying and knowing that, yeah, things suck, but God's still there because I know every day, I'm re-shown every day that he keeps getting cooler. And that is how I'm still excited about it. He keeps getting cooler. I love this. I love this. <laughs> and that's so right. And and sometimes I think it's wise to just take somebody's word for it to say, you know, I may be a lifelong member of the church, but I, you know, to try and really think of where you would be without the knowledge that you've grown up with and learned in primary and all those things because of the source of great happiness. When I got confirmed, I physically felt a difference, like a physical difference. The contrast is huge. And it is a promise to us that that is given to us every day, a constant and consistent helpmate. And sometimes we don't know what it's like to not have it. We don't know the help that we're getting because we don't know what it's like to not have that spirit to guide us. And sometimes we don't know that we're being guided when we are because we're so used to him helping us every day because we've always had it. Well, I haven't always had it. And so maybe you don't recognize it. That we're just like, you know, I don't know if he's helping or I don't know if I'm guided. But I can tell you a thousand percent that you are. You're just used to him. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing that you're used to him because he's always there. Like, that's good. (laughs) It is a good thing. I love that perspective. One of the most common questions that we received from our listeners came in the form of what Ashley asked. And this is a big one. This is a big one and very appropriate for the times that we live in. 
And she says, Al, what is your advice for someone who's trying to build their faith again? I'm in a spiritual crisis. Just do it. (laughs) There's not a secret thing. It's really just putting in the time. It's really just doing something about it. I mean, we have questions. We can complain about things that don't make sense all we want. But if we're not doing something about it, then that's not going to change. And if it's important to you to strengthen your testimony and to figure things out that may not make sense, you'd make time for it. And if we aren't, then we should. I feel like I'm strong, but it's because I struggled for a really long time and spent a really, you know, a lot of effort every day to figure it out. Because if this isn't right, like, why keep going? And it came down to this question. I was meeting with the elders, like, because I felt bad for them. I'm like, you know what? Like, why? Like, what a waste of time. Why am I doing this if it's not right? And so I had to figure out, like, why keep going? And so that's when I decided to just do it. The only way to figure out if the gospel is real is to live it. That is the only way. I only know prayer works because I've tried really hard to do it. I know that scriptures are real because I've read them every day long enough to see the blessings and the contrast. I lived it a certain way and knowing that one effort isn't going to change things. You know, I lived that you know, just right, like I said earlier, I was doing it to prove the missionaries wrong, but I knew enough to where I'd have to live it long enough to allow contrast to happen. And so I lived that way for every day. I tried really hard. I mean, my motives were kind of not the best because I wanted to prove them wrong. It was enough to do my real try. And it wasn't until I did that real try with real effort of every day and doing it long enough to allow contrast to happen that I looked back and said, wow, you know, look where I am. Look how things change. Look how I feel. And I mean, if you're not as strong as you want to be, well, you just got to do something about it. Like we are blessed. We are profoundly blessed from our efforts of trying. That's it. I am no different than anyone else. There's so many things that I should be doing and I'm not. I'm not doing it. And the things that I am doing I could be doing so much better at, you know, I know that every day I'm reminded of those things I need to do better, but it's our efforts in trying that we're blessed. And thank goodness. And that is where to start. That is where to start with it all. In closing, I love so many people that we get to meet around the church and we just had general conference and you just, you can be on a high from those experiences. And one of those people I really love is Sherry Dew in so many ways. Yeah, she's my favorite. (laughs) She is wonderful. And I feel like you and her absolutely have a gift with speaking and communicating and talking about God and women. How do you feel God feels about women? I just read this quote from Sherry Dew's books, actually. It's Woman in the Priesthood. And I haven't read the book, but I saw the quote from President Hinckley saying, What do we do for the woman of our church? We get out of their way and we watch in awe of everything that they accomplish. From a spiritual side or maybe from a marketing business side, passion will override any lack of skill or opportunity we may think that we have. Passion will override any lack of skill to really accomplish the incredible. So that's when I ask, like, are you doing what you love? Are you doing what makes you happy? And if not, why? Right? 
Because if we're doing what makes us happy, something that we're passionate about, we will accomplish the incredible. And I love that. I failed public speaking in college. I flunked it completely. And I got straight A's. And here I am. That's what I do. I've won, like, awards on it. And you want to know why? It's not because I went to school or I had more money or all of these things. It's because I really love what I'm talking about. I love God so much. And because I love that, it opens doors. And you figure things out. And things get done. And you progress. And you achieve. And you accomplish. And it is amazing. This is just the perfect closing to everything that you've put together because it just reminds me and makes me feel so deep in my heart that truly extraordinary things are possible with each and every one of us. And you are such this wonderful example. And I know that we can't ever just say, oh, she's born with this gift. And oh, she's, she's just had experiences that have brought this to her. The thing I take away from so much of this is you have put in the serious time, the serious effort, the serious sacrifices to become this way, to let God work through you, to refine you into someone that can be such an incredible power for his truth to move forward. And I just love that our listeners are going to be able to hear that extraordinary things are possible regardless of the flunked grades in college and regardless of the (laughs) lack of connections they feel that they need in their lives or regardless of how their life has turned out in ways that they they never expected but that truly remarkable things are possible because he is there and he (laughs) desires that with them so i just wanted to say a huge thank you for sharing your message this is huge for us this is huge for us to learn from you and to learn from your great example and the challenges you faced and the optimism you've developed. And I just want to give a huge shout out and say thank you for sharing your great words with us. Well, thanks. Thanks (laughs) for having me. (laughs) You are the best. Any parting words to our listeners who are just itching to make God's kingdom move forward? Never lose sight of your objective and your passion. That is key. Allegan, thank you so much for all of your incredible time. Thank you for joining us on the Mormon Mompreneur podcast. Check out our other episodes and learn from other women of faith, motherhood, and business as they share their unique stories and experiences. Go to www.mormonmompreneur.com or the iTunes store to learn more.